You know that one friend that says everything you're thinking, but out loud, with virtually no filter? For me in the celebrant world in Australia, this is Nat Sproul. I feel like we share the same brain, but while, believe it or not, I'm a little more reserved in saying these thoughts in public, holy hell, Nat just don't care. And it's genius because it's also part of her charm and marketing as one of the most in-demand celebrants in the country. So when I wanted to share with you the nuts and bolts of what makes for a banger of a ceremony, I knew I had to bring her on the podcast so you can reap the spoils of her worldly wisdom and delight in her no-holds-barred perspective with me. Today you'll learn how to kick off your ceremony, why you might want to consider having your wedding party sit, how ninja vows work and why they're hilarious, plus fascinating factoids about weddings that you will never be able to unhear, like what the cutting of your wedding cake actually symbolises. And you know how sometimes in life, you might not realise it at the time, but later you can see how you held back, that you didn't really do what you wanted to, you regret it, and you were essentially waiting for someone to give you permission? Well, my friend, this is the permission episode for your wedding ceremony. Buckle up. This episode is rated SS for super sweary, but also supremely satisfying. Let's get into it. Unbridly is a community of pro-wedding vendors who believe in freedom and integrity in weddings, giving you options, solutions, tips and tricks to create the experience and memories that you and your fiancé really want and deserve. Because we believe that weddings are a team sport. With how-tos, stories and interviews with recently married couples, we find out what went right and what they'd change if they could go back and do it all over again. I'm Camille and welcome to the Unbridly podcast. Hey Nat and thanks so much for joining me. Pleasure, how are you going? Yeah, I'm doing great. How the hell are you? Pretty good. Deep in the wedding season already, head down, getting it done. I feel like you get sort of up to your knees in it and you're like, oh, God, there's no going back. Yeah, I've had like 18 or 19 weddings in October. No. Yeah, but every time I got overwhelmed about it, I just go to myself, just go back and think about January to the end of June when I did 81 weddings. Sorry, I had no words. I'm never doing that ever again and nothing, nothing will ever come close to the stress of that. How? How did you do that, Nat? The better question is how did you do that without getting COVID until your last wedding? I got COVID at the last wedding that I did. Wow. Yeah, Saturday night, big wedding, Sunday afternoon, sore throat. (laughs) You were like, hello, friend. (laughs) I've been waiting two and a half years for you. (laughs) I reckon I was so determined that I just wasn't going to get it. And I was like, also, I can't. I can't because there's so few people that I would trust to bring it in my Mm. place. I had this conversation with Megan Thompson at one point. I was like, if I get COVID this week, you'll have to do six weddings for me. And she was like, if I get COVID this week, you'll be doing my six, fucker. Yeah, yeah. And what the fuck happens if we both get it? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I'm good. I can do 12 weddings. That's fine. Well, my next question here, Nat, was tell everyone who you are and what you do. I mean, yeah, you're Nat. You do a shitload of weddings. I don't plan to do a shitload of weddings anymore. Um, it, I think that this has taught me work-life balance. 
I am not. I am a celebrant based in Melbourne and I would do a lot of weddings for people who probably aren't that traditional. It is very, very busy, but next year I'm doing no more than 75 to 80 weddings in a year. That's it. I feel like that's a good a good place to be. But don't laugh. <laughs> I just, I'm like, God bless you, mate. I love your optimism. I'm going to keep it to this. I'm going to do this. But, I mean, the fact of the matter is you do tend to put yourself out there, in inverted commas, quite a bit on socials and you're reasonably outspoken, which is why I wanted to chat with you so much. And I think, well, you tell me, do you think that attracts those people to you? Absolutely. And I intentionally use certain language and dialogue to filter out those people before they even get to me because I don't want their inquiry. It's going to be a waste of time for both of us. So because a lot of people are going to look at my socials and just go, no, she's not for me. Yeah, I'm definitely not that safe, middle-of-the-road, traditional celebrant. And I'd love to ask you why. Because it's just not for me. It just doesn't excite me. Like I really would neck myself if every single wedding I went to was fucking green and white, green foliage, white, 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 you know, everything's just same old, same old. Like that doesn't interest me at all. I love going to different venues and totally different ceremonies every single time, but they always have very similar mentality or mindset, I reckon. I was having this conversation with someone the other day and they were like, do you um, do you ask your people if they want an acknowledgement of country? And I said, yeah. They were like, oh, yeah, because some people are just like, they say, this is what I do, and whether you like it or not. And I said, no, I ask them because I still feel like it's nice for people to feel like they're consulted. Mm. and um, this person said to me, because all of mine say no, and I was like, really? All mine say yes. So there's definitely a very different demographic between the north and the south here, and my demographic is very northwest. You know, lots of creatives, people who are into music, they're environmentally conscious, they're politically, you know, conscious as well, and they're like, of course, yeah, we want to do an acknowledgement of country. And they all sort of come to me and say, we just want it to feel like us. Oh, we want it to feel like a party. Good. Love that. As long as it doesn't feel like anyone else's. So for you, Nat, you gave a little inkling there of what might make a bad ceremony for you, <laughs> but I'd love you to dig in a bit deeper. In ceremonies, what really gets your goat? The first thing that gives me the shits is not giving people a drink when they arrive. I just don't get that because I love a drink and I just think it's bad manners not to give someone a drink. And I don't mean water. I don't want a bottle of water when I get to a wedding. I want a beverage, you know, have champagne, beers, have a mocktail for people. There's something so nice about it. It's welcoming. It's like, you know, you've arrived. Here you are. Like you've got to have tunes on like straight away that that energy is right. It's like people standing around, I'll ask, you know, we're doing pre-drinks. Oh, no, we're not doing it. Okay, cool. And I get there and it's like dead quiet and everyone's just sitting around. They don't know what to do with themselves. It's just bad from the get-go. Yeah. I feel like, I don't know about you, but my grandma always told me, like the second someone sets foot in your house, 
or you invite someone over, yeah. you offer them something. Yeah. If they don't want to drink, you give them something. Something. And it's this exchange that says you are welcome here yeah. and you were invited. <laughs> yeah. And um, it's super simple, but, yeah, it's that exchange. It's super simple. And I, I know that a lot of venue operators here push back on it because I bring it up with my couples and say we've got to give them pre-drinks. If you want to have, like, a really good vibe within your ceremony, and they'll come back and say, oh, they weren't that keen on it. They reckon everyone gets pissed. Like people don't get pissed because the drinks are only on for like 45 minutes. They'll have one at most two drinks and they're just nicely lubricated because I reckon so many people have got a level of social anxiety, particularly since fucking COVID. They're mm-hmm. even worse. The moment you put them into a social situation where they feel a bit awkward, you're going to look at my phone. That's what they do. So they don't have to look at anyone. They don't have to interact. And it's like you just missed an opportunity. Give them a drink and they're like, they're in it. Yeah. It's nice. That's such a good point about post-COVID. But I find also like this overhanging sense of expectation about what a wedding should be. Yeah. Like everyone rocks up to that. Like no one rocking up to your ceremonies, Nat, knows that you're about to blow them away. They're all rocking up going, I'm going to a wedding. I have to sit there with my purse. I yeah. have to sit there with my hands folded. and Yeah. yeah. And this is seriously one of my favourite things every single week. I still maintain that like a good ceremony is just built on really good relationships with your couples and making sure that you've got the right people for you because it's just better for everyone. You have to do really good recon and get to know them and, you know, get the good stuff out of them. And they say that's all relationship. They have to trust you to give up that stuff. Because I'm a massive creep, I'll get like details, details, details. They're like, we met in this bar and I'm like, I'm going to Google that bar and see what it looks like because a third of the crowd used to go there and they know what that place is like, but the other two thirds don't know. So I'm going to create this whole, so it's like recon, relationship, being a solid writer. But the main thing that's lacking in so many celebrants, I reckon, is just energy and personality with presentation like have some fucking charisma just so boring I love when you start a ceremony and they're Austrian racing and you know you're just like okay here we go big energy (laughs) welcome along and then you start with whatever I often introduce wedding parties little like cheeky bios here's some stuff about them and you see people's heads snap up oh hang on a minute Maybe I'm not going to be scrolling Instagram behind someone's back for the whole ceremony. And then afterwards, they come up and say, that was so good. It was so good. And they're telling you because they expected it to be shit, basically. Yeah. And I've always got this thing where it's kind of not people's fault choosing celebrants that aren't right for them or aren't performing at a higher level because they don't know what they don't know. It's not until they see something, they're like, mate, I want that. <laughs> I find it really tricky though, because of course, the idea is you're getting married once. Yeah. And so you have one shot at it. Yeah. And couples don't know until they've actually experienced the ceremony that the celebrant that they chose has already delivered. Yeah. Whether or not it met their expectations. Yeah. Exactly. And yeah. If you haven't seen a great ceremony or been a part of one, then yeah, you don't know the difference. It's so true. Like they can see the value in it retrospectively. 
they'll be like, oh, God, we'd pay you that again a thousand times sort of thing. But initially they're like, oh, you know, that's that's out of our budget or, um, you know, we've only budgeted a thousand dollars. I'd, you know, love to discuss this as well, Nat. What you were talking about then that is the difference between a really great ceremony and one that ticks the boxes is so much time. Yeah. So much of your recon, your writing, yeah. um, so much of your personal energy goes into that. Mm-hmm. And for me, that's why it costs what it costs yeah. to have me do a ceremony. Totally. Is that what you think? I absolutely do. And my husband works in digital marketing. He works with two very enigmatic, incredible young businessmen. And I married one of them. And he said to um, Nick the other day, how much is that charging? <laughs> Tell them she needs to put her prices up. And I said, mate, I've put them up. You know, people in Melbourne, there's a ceiling and, you know, it rocks the boat. There's still this whole like price thing that just gives me the shit. It's like I will be at a function and people come up and go, other celebrants, how many people have you booked? How, you know, how much are you charging sort of thing? And it's just, it's gross for a start. I'm so close to putting my price up as an Instagram tile. I'm so close. Just to stop the questions. Just to say, you know what, if you want to have the conversation with me about price, you're welcome to do that. Like I love talking about cost versus value. And again, as a filter, it'll save people from inquiring with me if they think that a ceremony that costs more than $1,000 is not worth it. What gets me is um, when people are incredulous that you charge a certain amount, yeah, and it is over a thousand dollars for a ceremony, and they want to know, like, who would pay that? What? And you know, for you, Nat, you go, well, eighty odd couples a year <laughs> or more. They make it sound like you're trying to swindle them, and it's like, no, I put in enough work to make that actually a steal for the experience and the memories that I help create for you. And I don't get into that. I've heard celebrants say you know, that they've gone back to people who've made comments and kind of tried to school them. It's like, I can't be mm. fucked. I just say. <laughs> Who's got the fucking time? I just say, okay, all the best. Have a great day. Like, oh, I hope have a great wedding, but it just won't be with me. That's the thing because there's no changing what people value. And this guy who works with my husband, he said to me, you were by far the most influential thing for vibe at our wedding and also for keeping us so calm and getting us so ready. But you're kicking that party off. And I'll say to the um, the newsos, whatever they have, Belle, I started it. I started the party. It's on you to finish it. Yeah, you're welcome. Yeah. Huge energy. If you had a sweary, chocolate-addicted, wine-sipping fairy godmother who could help you with your wedding planning what would you wish for? Perhaps no more waking up in the middle of the night in a cold sweat, wondering what you've forgotten, or fretting about your RSVPs. Maybe no more spreadsheets or post-it notes or endless to-do lists. Well, I can help you with all of that. Websites is an Australian wedding website builder, guest management software, and wedding project planner all in one. Why is this such a game changer for you? Well, imagine everything to do with your wedding being in one place, updated in real time in the cloud, shareable to anyone else that's helping you, password protected for your guests, with notifications to tell you what needs to be done next and by when. It's 
Amazing, right? I love how easy websites is to set up and use and how there are no ads on the platform yelling at you to spend more money on your wedding. To get started on your very own free wedding website, just head to websites.com. That's W-E-D-S-I-T-E-S dot com and enter the code UNBRIDELYPOD, that's UNBRIDELYPOD, to get 10% off their paid planning tools. The link is in the show notes. Now, what kind of things do you see couples do or start planning to do in their ceremony and you just go, ditch that, you don't need that? Pretty much everything, Cam. <laughs> I've got to say the monotone. You've got to say, you know, your full names and your legal vows. Outside of that, everything's open for discussion. And so when I do a planning session, all right, let's start at the beginning. Is there going to be an entry? Like, is there going to be an entry? Don't assume it's going to be an aisle entry with dad. Dad might be a dickhead, you know, or lots of my girls are like mad feminists and they're like, that's not for me. I don't want to do that. Lots of my couples walk in together. You can do whatever you want. And now increasingly, people are there having drinks with their guests before I get there. Oh, nice. Tunes are on. So instead of like playing the Titanic track to herald the start of the ceremony, I'm getting there and turning the music down and saying, fill up your drinks, let's get started. We can get these guys married and up you come. And I love that. I remember you posting once on socials, Nat, about, you know, because there's this tradition that the wedding party are all standing up with the couple getting married, yeah. you know, and we're in this line and we're doing this thing and we're all wearing identical things. Yeah. But you, you're you not a fan of that, are you? I'm not a fan of it. I feel as well that the, the people in the wedding party are also not a fan of that. They hate walking down the aisle for a start. You know, you go out and see them beforehand they're like, oh, I, don't, I feel so nervous. Everyone looking at me and they're awkward and then they've got to stand up the front with the flowers and, like, it's just weird. And also wearing the same thing, like, that's just 100% cult to me. It's weird. You know the background of that, right? You know, I'm scared to ask, though, because I heard the background of the cake cutting the other day and I'll never look the same ever again. Oh, tell me that one then. <laughs> oh, you've got to share now. I was told that the cutting of the cake signifies the breaking of the hymen. <laughs> Honestly, can you imagine? Imagine now when I'm at a wedding and I'll be like MC and they'll they'll cut a red velvet cake and I'm going to go, oh, there goes the hymen. There it goes, everyone. <laughs> and we performed it in front of all of you. This is, yeah, God. You get where the traditions came from, but I just find it a little bit crazy that we still do them. Like, so, yeah, the wedding party, bridesmaids were dressed the same as the bride because first of all, we thought that evil spirits were going to come and take the bride away. Then when we worked out that evil spirits weren't going to do that, then it was about kingdoms and land and all that sort of stuff. And if a groom was going to marry a bride, he signifies that she's valuable. And so then his enemy comes galloping in. And if he can work out who the bride is, he can sweep her away, right? Hold her for ransom. It's all on. But not if all the girls are dressed the same. And it's like, holy hell. And I love tradition in that it can tie us to things that have happened in the past that have meaning, totally. that have significance. But dressing everyone the same so then a potential 
kidnapper doesn't know which one to take. Yeah, we haven't moved on from medieval times. Isn't that crazy? It's weird. Well, it's the same as like putting the groom on the right-hand side about the whole like being able to draw his sword. Yeah, that's the, to defend the guy who's coming on the horse. It's like, come on, man. Like sometimes I've had people who are like, my hearing isn't that good in that ear. Or groom said to me, I'm really conscious because I've got a bit of a lazy eye. Or I've got a hair a certain way. It's like, fuck, it's not written in stone. Yes. So you challenge them. Is there going to be an entry? Yeah, is there? And they're like, oh, I haven't really thought about that. It's just about giving people options and letting them think about it and go, actually, we love that idea. You know, we love that idea of just being with our guests before all coming in together because we're equals. For some people also, their dads are absolute legends and it's beautiful that they walk down the aisle with their dad. I love that if it's right, if it's right, but not because it's always been done. And as far as the wedding party all standing up there flanked, lots of people still like that. But still when I say, you know, do you want them to stay up there with you or do you want to seat them beforehand? Like I've done like all family on one side in the um, first rows and then the whole wedding party in the uh, on the other side in the best seats in the house. And that's great. They all walk down the aisle together as a big pack, which is awesome for the energy because they come into like a really vibey, you know, hip-hop track or something like that and they wind the crowd up and it's like, okay, cool. And they all stand to the side like a little cheer squad and it's like safety in numbers. They're happier to be there. The florists are happier because they've just spent hours putting up thousands of dollars worth of flowers that they cannot fucking see. And this is especially right with like venues that are really tight for space. It's like you can't do it. There's some venues here and I'm like, what am I going to get? I've got a couple. I've got fucking 15 candles on the floor and four groomsmen and four bridesmaids and, you know, shit hanging down from here and this and that. And I'm like, mate, all I'm thinking about is not drawing a veil into one of those candles. Have you ever gotten burnt, Nat? Have you ever gotten burnt on a candle? <laughs> but I think about it all the time. I had one a couple of months ago and the candles are all through the flowers and I moved a fraction and I was just going, oh, it's gotten warm in here quick. <laughs> and like just under my skirt. And then I realised what was happening. So I just kind of patted the back of my leg. Oh, I did a cat to the fire. Like, there's never any room. There's never any There's room. Never any so why are we jamming it full of people up the front? Yeah, and sometimes like if they've been adamant, like people can always make their own decisions as well. Sometimes I'll be like, you know, I would recommend at this venue that we stand them off to the side and they're like, we really want them up there. Okay, that's fine. It's Saturday. We'll do what you want to do. But I'm going to have to sit on your dad's lap in the front row so that I can present the ceremony because there's literally nowhere for me to go. <laughs> your top tips, Nat, how do couples experience a banger ceremony? How can they contribute to what you're doing? Choose the right celebrant, definitely. Give people a drink, have music and give some thought to your music as well because it's so good for atmosphere. Give up the good stuff in the questionnaire. Like if I get my questionnaire back and they've not written very much, I go back and just say, look, I can polish a turd, but I need a turd to polish in the first place. Like there's literally quarter of a turd here. You have to give me something. I've got to sit down with you again in person so that I can pull it out. I reckon 
yeah, challenging tradition, whether or not you need to have a wedding party at all or whether you want them to be up there, how you want to enter together, the whole vow thing as well. They don't have to do personal vows if they don't want it. If they feel physically sick about the idea of sharing their whole soul, I'm like, cool, don't do it. Write each other some vows and put them in a card and you can read them on the morning of the ceremony yourselves. And at the ceremony, we will just do like ninja vows, really fun and light and not stressful at all. We'll just combine legal vows and ring exchange. And Nat, can I get you back on that guy? Tell us about ninja vows. Like reverse vows where they write for each other. The groom, for example, in a hetero relationship will write vows for his bride to make to him. It's a stitch up. <laughs> it's a complete stitch up. and um, It is, isn't it? I love it's it. It's so fun and very entertaining Like because I really push them. Sometimes I send them across and I'm like, these are shit. I know you've got something in you better than that. And then it's all about how you, how you stack them as well because I get them to go one for one back and forth and sometimes, you know, because couples know each other, one person will say something and then the other person's mentioned it as well. So I'll make sure that they follow each other so that it's funnier. So I had one on the weekend and she was like, we've got $3,000 worth of blue stone sitting in our driveway with a garden growing out of it. It's been there for three years because he still hasn't laid the driveway. So her thing was, I'll finally lay the fucking driveway. And he'd put in his, I'll help you lay the blue stone. So, you know, as he said that and everyone laughed. And as soon as she read hers, and it's hilarious. And sometimes they read them and they're like, you can see them scanning them beforehand because it's a surprise, right? They don't get them until that moment. And I've had brides look at them and say, there's no fucking way I'm saying that. Like, not a chance. <laughs> I'm not massaging your feet at any point or, you know. <laughs> Yeah, ninja vows are awesome, but you were saying there's no pressure to say these big, verbose, you know, get your scroll out and start reading all your most intimate thoughts and feelings as well. And also they just, they don't have to be poetic vows. Like my biggest thing is everyone's so obsessed with vows being of a similar vibe and structure. Who cares? Who cares? So I will review everyone's vows. Obviously, they come over to me and sometimes I'll format things a little bit and be like, you know, we'll, I'll put that there and there and what do you reckon about that? But on the whole, I don't touch people's vows because I reckon everyone writes them from the heart and they all do a good job. It's like I'll often go back and say, you cannot spell for shit, but what you've written is awesome. But when you say <laughs> it, it's going to be great. <laughs> yes. So they just, if they want to keep it lighthearted, I have like templates for them to refer to for that or examples as well. So, and they'll come back and go, that's us. Those bantery ones where they're kind of responding to each other. Sometimes I've got a really black and white partner who's like, says everything very succinctly. That's who they are. And then the other one's like a poet and their vows come across and it's like, this is a Jeff Buckley poem and this is a ministerial but I'm not going to do anything with it because this is what people would expect of them, including their partner. It's just mm. weird. Like if you get a dyslexic truck driver from Bansdale and he suddenly starts writing fucking like some philosopher's type vows, people are just going to be going, what's going on? <laughs> <laughs> including his partner. Just be like, 
Who took Barry? What's going on? Just let people be who they are. It just gives me the confidence to to do that. I'm like, we can do that. That's beautiful, Nat. That's so good. Any other top tips for the banger ceremony? How can couples really, how can they get one? Where do they buy one from? (laughs) I could tell you where you don't get them, but that would probably get me into some trouble. I reckon, like, finding your your celebrant, you just got to do the Instagram stalk. You know, people will tell you things as well. I get so many inquiries from people going, oh, my cousin saw you at a wedding the other weekend or, you know, my workmate saw you at a wedding and they start with it that way. Otherwise, a really good Instagram stalk is a great way to to get in there. I mean, it's not that hard to figure out your people, don't you think? Mm. Like when I started as a celebrant, I remember looking at Instagram and trying to find who were birds of a feather for, for me. And so I just did some research and I was like, yeah, like, should that person's cool? Like they seem like my kind of person. Um, and if you just find that one person or maybe it's your photographer who you really click with and they're like, you need this person. They're perfect for you because there is someone perfect for everyone. You know, my ceremony style is completely different to that of some of my friends, but we both do a really great job. Like everyone's got their their people. That's brilliant, Nat. Any final bit of advice for engaged couples? Mm, Just be really fussy about who you invite because all those people who are there, you're going to have to have a conversation with them all. Even a, even a five-minute conversation is valuable dance floor time if, they, if you don't care about them being there. Obligatory invites are over, I reckon. Don't do it. Yeah. Do you know what I love? I love that you basically gave everyone permission to be and do whatever they want. This is the permission episode. So, Nat, where can people find you and stalk you? Find me on Instagram, um, natsbrol.melbournecelebrant or on my website. NatsBrollCelebrant.com. Gorgeous. Thank you so much, Pleasure. Nat. That about wraps it up for this episode of the Unbradley Podcast. For the links and resources we mentioned, please head to the show notes. And if you love the show, please review and subscribe on the podcast platform you're on now so you don't miss out on a single episode. Thanks so much for listening. And remember, weddings are a team sport. Catch you soon. <laughs>